Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. And you guys, it's it's 7 o'clock a.m. on a Saturday right now and I'm here for you. That's how much I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been struggling. I've been telling Sarah like, I can't even type right now. What is happening? <laughs> I'm just so impressed that you did it. Like, I am the grumpiest bitch in the morning. Like, I, if, if this would have been me at 7 a.m., I would have been like, morning. Hey. <laughs> Hi, my name's Sarah, and I'm here. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I hate everything. I'm so annoyed. And then I would have had my coffee poo in the middle of recording. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You have, like, your clockwork coffee poo. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's like as soon as the coffee enters my mouth, my sphincter is like go time. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> Sarah, how many people did you just make laugh out loud at their job just there? Probably a bunch of you. Raise your hand. Um, anyway, moving right along, I have a quick announcement before we begin. We have a new patron, Christy. Hi, Christy. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, Christy, and welcome. Thanks for your support. Yeah, she um, also sent us those lovely voice messages on Instagram and made both Sarah and I cry. That's Christy. Yes. Yeah, she was very sweet and gave us the best compliments. And now she's a patron. Like, what the hell? We have the best patrons in the world. (laughs) I mean, I love you, Christy, but also way to ruin my morning by crying. I'm just (laughs) saying. It was lovely. Although, like, Katie warned me a bit. She's like, oh, my God, these messages came in. So, like, they're amazing. They're incredible. Just give you a heads up. I've marked them. And I was, like, bracing myself all day. Like, these are going to be good, but I'm going to be crying. And then I listened. I was like, oh, God damn it. I'm crying, but I love you. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's really cool, like, how emotional I feel. I feel connected to all of you guys. I know that sounds very cheesy, but it's like we kind of have this shared (laughs) trauma of the church and we're all working through our shit together. So I feel very close to all of you. So uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, and especially the last episode when Katie and I were a bit more more vulnerable than usual and the amount of messages we got from all of you saying that you related on some level first it made my heart sad because I obviously don't want any of you guys to have gone through anything similar to what Katie and I went through but the fact that you have I was I I was very touched and and yeah it it made me feel comforted in a weird way as in like okay someone else out there gets it they've gone through it and I'm not alone so yeah exactly Okay, so with that being said, on the lines of Patreon, we have an amazing guest today who is in our outer darkness level. She's in our outer darkness level. (laughs) It's Madison. Hi, Madison. Hello. I'm so excited for this interview today, and thank you for waking up at 7 (laughs) a.m. It's 8 a.m. for me. Uh, Because I live in Colorado, so I'm on mountain time. But thank you, Katie, for being up so early. (laughs) Madison, there's no one else. If it's going to be anyone, it's going to be one of our amazing patrons, especially in the outer darkness level. I was like, I was telling Sarah before the call, she was like, I can't believe you got up that early. And I was like, she's in outer darkness. I'd do nearly anything. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and we already joked about 
I was like, I will fucking claw my way out of the woods to make this call. So we're doing it. And we're <laughs> yeah. super excited. And Madison, I have to just say, so before we started recording, we she was on camera and she's gorgeous, of course. But That's also beautiful. your cute husband came in and gave her a kiss. It was <laughs> like, love you ladies. And my heart melted. So I hi, hi, Madison's you. husband. I don't know your name, but hi, hi. <laughs> Yeah, Madison, we're so happy to have you. And Madison's going to tell us her story today. Like we were just saying, we all have kind of a shared story of leaving the church and we might focus on some different um, aspects of it. But yeah, Madison, take it away. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. All right. So uh, I grew up in the church. So my dad was born and raised Mormon. And then my mom was a convert to the church and they actually met at Utah State University, which is my alma mater. Oh, okay. Um, Yes. Yeah. So uh, born to the church, you know, baby blessing, baptism at eight years old, all of that jazz, girls camp every summer. I was pretty like hardcore into the church Um, when I was growing up. I was the beehive class president and <laughs> oh the memories you were the epitome of a molly mormon like you definitely yes i was definitely the molly mormon for sure <laughs> um and then when i got to high school well that's when things started to kind of shift a little bit for me i still wanted to like believe in the church and everything and i still wanted to like be the good Mormon because I just felt all of that like heavy existential pressure to Mm -hmm. be perfect and to go to the celestial kingdom and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you get to be in your teenage years and like if you're a a, a heterosexual girl, you're like, ooh, those boys look pretty cute over there, you know? Isn't that so funny? I was just thinking about like how I was kind of boy crazy when I was a teenager and now I look at teenage boys and I'm like, they're little like pimple covered like children. (laughs) So just like, ooh, boys. (laughs) 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 But yeah, if you're a Mormon, you can't, you're not supposed to think anything about them, right? Like no touchy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, you can date, but like no touchy touchy. Uh-huh. Baby, <laughs> my loving. Oh, God. <laughs> Sarah, you crack me up every time. <laughs> my name's Madison. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> okay, so high school is actually where I met my husband. Oh. So that kind of weighs heavily camera. into things. Okay. So... When we were dating, we were definitely doing the touchy-touchy, you know, like, (laughs) we were not abiding by the Mormon standards. And to be fair, my husband was not, was not a member of the church when I met him. Okay. I did the whole, like, flirt to convert thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Tell me more. But also, like, how did you guys meet? Only if you want. You don't have to give us the personal details, but I find it so intriguing because I'm assuming you grew up in Utah right based on no I actually oh. was born in California oh, um, okay. northern California near like the Bay Area so like San Jose San Francisco over there 
Um, and I was born there. And then when I was 14, my family moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's you were able did, to meet to meet non-members. Because, yeah, like Sarah was saying, if you're picturing growing up in Utah, it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. meet a non-member. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, so you met him in Vegas. Yes. That's okay. where I went to high school. Um, so, let's see. When I was in high school, um, I did junior ROTC. Um <laughs> So that's like, uh, in this case, at my high school, it was Air Force Junior ROTC. Um, So basically what it is, is it's a leadership program that is structured to kind of model what the military does. But when you're in high school, you're not obligated to like join the military or anything like that. It really is just a leadership program to like, you know, to help help teach kids like how to become more confident in themselves, how to become like better leaders. It's an awesome program. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So when I was a freshman, I joined our uh, junior ROTC and my husband was also part of that. But oh. when we were freshmen, I didn't really like know him or anything. Um, we didn't actually start to like really get to know each other until like our junior year. Um, like the summer before our junior year of high school was when we started to become like really, really close friends. And then eventually that kind of morphed into like a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we met and started dating. And oh, then you started okay. doing Then you started doing the leave by 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hopefully no soaking or. No. <laughs> Or poop hole loophole. I mean, you can do poop hole loophole if you want, but you know. Oh my god, that. Yeah, I didn't. I did not understand any of those loopholes until I moved to Utah and went to college and was hearing these stories, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Isn't it? I do have to just say, and this is way TMI, but whatever. Fuck it. You guys already know everything. I had a dream last night about poop hole loophole because of this episode okay. and it's like I was Mormon again and I was like why am I doing poop hole loophole I don't understand oh my, God. Yeah, that was my dream and I woke up told Greg I was like um I had a dream that it was poop hole loophole but I was Mormon and I don't get it I don't understand what happened <laughs> anyway Madison back to your story Yes, my back to your story. So you met your husband and you're in you're in high school and you're breaking the love, chastity, blah. <laughs> yes, definitely like, you know, heavy on the making out and some other stuff. We never actually like did like the full like Mormon picture of like having like sex, you know, mm-hmm. um, but we did everything up to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and looking back at it, I'm grateful that we were exploring each other's bodies and having that connection because then it made when we got married, it made things like the pressure was off when it came to sex and yeah. intimacy in a relationship because we didn't have to be like, well, I'm, I'd never done this before, you know, and like, I don't know <laughs> what feels good and that kind of stuff. We didn't have that awkwardness that a lot of other like Mormon heterosexual couples have. So yeah. I did that stuff, but that w- in the moment 
after like we would, you know, mess around me as the as the member, I would feel so, so guilty and like so ashamed because it was just so reinforced all the time that like you are not supposed to do that stuff. I thought that there was seriously something wrong with me because like I was like, I can't stop, you know, like it's it's just such a natural feeling and it just breaks my heart that the church pushes that narrative so much and it it makes it seem like there's seriously something wrong with you or that like the spirit's not with you quote unquote you know oh totally madison like i've i've had this thought so many times and i've had this discussion with people too um when it comes to a lot of people who grew up in the church or in other high demand religions and they want to be sexual or they want to masturbate and they think they literally think that there's something wrong with them to the point that they believe they have a sex addiction and it's like no you just want it you're just a sexual being and it it drives me oh it makes me so mad just like you said but it's all because the church pushes this narrative like you said of don't have sex sex is bad blah 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 until you're married and then you're just supposed to know what to do <laughs> it's very exactly. damaging honestly yeah such, yeah exactly like I always thought that because I masturbated that I was a sex addict or something was wrong with me or that I was like broken <laughs> and then I realized oh no that's normal but yeah. you know in the Mormon church I was like oh I, I feel like something's wrong with me like I can't I can't stop like I must be I'm a sick fuck you know what I mean and then it's like oh no <laughs> yes yeah and that yeah, feeling like you that's, said that exactly that guilt yeah the guilt that you mm-hmm. feel after you do it almost like you're physically dirty. And I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, you feel like you need to take a shower and it's like, oh my God, no, it's, you just had like a pleasurable experience with another person. Like <laughs> you're, it's okay. Or with, <laughs> with yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that there was something wrong with me, but like my, I like literally like, I didn't want to stop like, you know, making out and like having like a good fun time with my, you know, boyfriend who I was like going steady with. He's like the only guy that I've ever been with, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I loved him. Like I already knew that I was in love with him when we were dating. Um, I know we're super cute. <laughs> <laughs> you um, are. But yeah, there were def So then after like dating for a while um oh who was it I think it was my mother actually who mentioned to my you know now husband but then boyfriend like oh well if you want to uh like be with Madison like you know that how how into the church she is like you have to like get baptized and convert and everything and I agreed with her I regret that so so much because like since leaving the church I'm like oh my god like why did I drag him into the brainwashing and the cult and all that stuff Um, well you can't really beat yourself up about that because that's really what we were taught since the moment we could even Mm -hmm. learn anything was that you need to get married and it needs to be in the temple because if you don't do that, you're not going to be with your spouse forever mm-hmm. and it's all for nothing essentially. So like, yeah, you were just brainwashed into believing that was the only way. <sighs> yeah. And I think that that forever aspect of it was really mm-hmm. what 
drove me to kind of be like, okay, like we need to like resist like making out with each other and like that kind of stuff, even though we really want to because we are super into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like we need to be good so that way he can get baptized and then we can go get, you know, married whenever we're like ready for that um in the temple and then we can be together forever because I really wanted to be with him forever you know yeah like yeah, I did, like course, already yeah. that I loved him and he loved me and just that existential pressure of like if you don't go to the celestial kingdom like it's all for nothing you know yeah so yeah so I I did the flirt to convert thing <laughs> with him <laughs> and yeah he took the missionary lessons and he got baptized. Um, he really I, loves you. That's a he, lot. <laughs> what a chance. I know. He he did so much. <laughs> what was his, if you don't mind me asking, like, was he raised religious growing up? Or was this something, like, completely foreign to him? So his family, I guess his his mom primarily grew up Catholic. But they only ever went to, like, Mass on Christmas and Easter. Okay. Uh, so he didn't really grow up going to church or anything like that, so. Okay. So then so he when went back was- to uh, learning about Joseph Smith and uh, putting his head <laughs> in the hat and translating a Book of Mormon. Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and having angels come visit him. And he's probably like, wow, I love Madison. I'm going to keep telling myself that. <laughs> Every lesson. I really love her. Really love yeah. her. I, I really know. Love her. He, he had to be doing some sort of mental gymnastics on his own, honestly. <laughs> um, so when was this? How old were you guys when he got, when he converted? Oh, I think that we were like 18, I want to say. Yeah, he got baptized in like July of 2016. Yeah, so we would have been like 18 years old. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. So after he got baptized, then we were in a double bind because if we broke the law of chastity, then I was like, you know, dragging him into it as well. And I say me because at the time, I felt like I was the one who was like, quote unquote, tempting him with my body, like my Uh, feminine female body, uh because that is like so hammered in to Mormon girls when they're growing up that like you need to be modest and like don't make out with the boys because then they're going to be tempted to break the law of chastity and like we need Mm -hmm. to protect the priesthood holders and yeah, I felt so, like, ashamed of my body and what I wanted to do being, like, a sexual person um, that I was, like, it was it was so, so difficult um, to, A, like, resist those natural urges, but, B, when we would eventually, like, you know, have an awesome date and have an awesome makeout session plus some extra stuff, you know, I would feel so, so, so guilty afterwards, you know, like, I would, like, I would immediately get down on my knees, like, in my broom, and, like, pray, like, begging God, like, please don't, like, smite me, 
You know, like there's something wrong with me. I don't know why I can't resist this temptation. Like, please just help me. And I would like beg and cry in these prayers to God for him to like heal me and help me, you know. This absolutely breaks my, it like breaks my heart because all you were doing was enjoying your time with the love of your life. And you were 18 years old and you were both consenting and you like, I want to cry thinking about you feeling that way because you should have been feeling joy and like closeness but then because of the church you were feeling all of these horrible things I'm so sorry oh and I I relate to it so much yeah how did your Um, husband respond did you ever tell him yeah oh sorry yeah I was just gonna say like how like during that time did you express to your I guess then boyfriend not husband um that you were feeling guilty and ashamed and and having those unfortunate thoughts because of the Mormon church or did you refrain from telling him any of that stuff because he just converted um let's see I do remember having some conversations with him about like oh we need to stop doing this because if we keep going then we're not going to be able to go to the temple and like I really want to be with you you know like someday like I want to you know get married to you because you know I, I just know that like you're like the one for me but because we have to follow these rules, like we can't keep on, you know, messing around with each other and that kind of stuff. And I do remember having a couple conversations like that with him. Um, I don't think I divulged fully. Like yesterday I cried on my bed because like to God, because I, I was feeling so ashamed. I told him all those. Um, I definitely expressed that after we left the church. Um, yeah. But at the time, I was just kind of framing it like we have to follow the rules. Like, I love you and I really enjoy doing that stuff. But we, you know, need to, like, just be good, you know, was yeah. like, the, the the thing that I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, so let's see, 2016. So um, at the end of that year, um, let's see. Um, my husband, so, you know, then boyfriend, uh, he joined the Air Force. He enlisted in the Air Force. Um, and then in August, that was in December that he joined, but in August of 2016, that's when I started college. Okay. And that's when you, so you moved to Utah then? Yes. Oh, (laughs) here we go. Buckle up, everyone. (laughs) I didn't really want to go to Utah actually. Um, even though I was Mormon, I did not really want to go to Utah. Um, but, oh my God, you guys are going to cringe so hard. So (laughs) my senior year, I was applying to, um, get a scholarship from the air force to go to college and have them pay for it. Um, so with that, after I would finish my degree, I would then become an officer in the air force. So I was looking for schools that I could apply to because the scholarship that I had received um, was for a school that had in that I got in-state tuition at. And being a Nevada resident, I didn't want to go to a Nevada school just because like they weren't super great and a lot of them didn't have the programs that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So my mom actually told me, she's like, just apply to Utah State. Um, Because, like, that's where I went to school, and they have an in-state tuition waiver 
for children of like parents who are alumni there. Um, yeah, because Utah state's acceptance rate is so high. I like immediately got in and I got the in-state waiver. So I was like, okay, I've got that. But I was still so conflicted because I'm like, I really don't want to go to Utah, but I don't want to go to Nevada. So what did I do being like a Mormon was I prayed about it. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Yep. I like told God, I was like, what do I do? And at the time, this is the realization. This is like how it felt. It was like God inserted the thought into my brain of like, you need to go to Utah State, Madison. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to go to Utah State. Like like this like revelation, you know. That's what That's happened what to Sarah. When, but Sarah, isn't that what you like prayed about it? And you thought that God told you to go to Berlin for like some specific reason. But then. What was it? Oh, my God. Listen, (laughs) I prayed about where to go every time. I prayed about going to BYU. I prayed about going to Berlin. And every time, like, now that I'm out of the church, I just realized it was literally just me deciding what it it was that I wanted to do. And then being like, oh, my God, that's a sign because that thought popped into my head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That means that God wants me to go to BYU. And that means God wants me to go to Berlin so that I can, like, be a missionary to the Germans because Mm -hmm. I will speak German fluently. And then nine years later, and I'm like, uh, I don't speak German, so. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so Heavenly Father told Madison that she needed to go to Utah. (laughs) Yep. So I packed up all my stuff, and I moved to Utah. And let's see. Um, I was definitely, because I was now, like, separated from my, uh, boyfriend, so there wasn't that temptation, quote-unquote, anymore. We were still dating. We were, like, in a long-distance relationship, Mm -hmm. um, because I was not interested in these white boys in Utah. Um, (laughs) What do you mean? You just didn't want those, you just didn't want those Mormon boys? Those... (laughs) Yeah, I instantly can see the picture. Like, as soon as you said white Utah boy, I was like, and the images in my head. I know exactly which Uh ones you're talking about. Yep. They all look the same. That's like they're coming out of a factory. Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so freshman year, so I've, I've got my little scholarship with the Air Force for them to pay for me to go to school. And... I have to choose a STEM degree. Um, so that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so everything I'm horrible year, at. <laughs> <laughs> so my freshman year, I decided to major in mechanical engineering. Um, and I lasted in that for about four semesters before I was like just so miserable. And I was like, I need to switch majors. Um, so let's see, that was, I think it was, yeah, my, my junior year of college, I switched my degree plan to physics. Wow. And that's what I ended up graduating. Damn. Um, I feel like if you and I had a conversation about anything academic related, I would just be like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) (laughs) 
everything you just said and you're like, oh, I switched from engineering to before you said physics, I thought it was going to be like something completely what I deem easier. And then you're like physics. And that yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, holy point. shit. Like, I, I don't even know what that is. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I switched to physics. And that's what I ended up getting my degree in. Um, and then so let's see a freshman year. Yeah, I was in you know long distance relationship with my boyfriend. Um, and then we ended up getting engaged my sophomore year. Um, in like, what was it like August of 2017? Yeah, we actually got engaged because, um, the air force was sending him to South Korea for a year. Oh, wow. We kind of wanted to just like relationship wise, kind of like lock it in, you know? Yeah. Um, So by Mormon standards, we had a very like non-traditional relationship. We were long distance for, you know, basically two years. Because I was, you know, in school my freshman year, and then he was living overseas for an entire year um, while we were engaged. Um, So this is where, like, my experience with, like, being on my own in college and, like, even the degree that I was studying and my relationship vastly differed from the culture that was around me. So, like, I was, you know, a female, uh, like, Mormon in a STEM field, whereas, like, all the other women, it seemed like, in my, like, young single adult ward were, like, all studying, like, to be teachers or I don't even know what other, like, liberal arts degrees and stuff that they were Mm -hmm. studying, but. Like, they, some of them literally told me, like, oh, I'm just here at school to find a man and marry him, and then I'm going to drop out. And I'm like, what are you, why? I can find you a man for free. Why are you spending <laughs> taking out loans just to come oh. to school and find a man just to leave? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I yeah. knew so many women who did that in, at BYU as well, like, because I was always really excited about my classes and about what I was studying and future careers. And I would like want to talk about it with my girlfriends. And the majority were like, what? Yeah, I go to class, whatever. But really, I'm like excited to go on this date. And like, maybe it leads to like a temple walk and then a temple marriage. And I was like, <laughs> huh? Like, what? Um, which, of course, was not every woman at BYU. But yeah, I understand like what you're saying. It's like predominantly that that was the end goal. Like, it's like yeah. they just went to classes and went to, like, each semester just kind of to fill the time. Yeah. They found someone. And isn't that wild mm-hmm. that they, like you said, it's expensive, you know, it's you get student expensive. loans or you're paying. Yeah, and it's like, literally, you could just do that elsewhere. But I, they do, they go there to these schools because they just, they want to meet the man meet the priesthood holder and get married as quick as possible (laughs) yeah and I do not blame like these individual women like at all because it really is just like the culture yeah that yeah grew up in kind of they get the idea in their head like oh I need to you know find a man during my young adult years and you know marry him in the temple where's the best place to find other guys like my age oh college you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's college so it makes it even worse because like you're all on your own like you're living away from home for like 
the first time, or at least like most people are. And when you do start like dating, especially in the Mormon church, like not only is every Sunday you are just like bombarded with the messaging of get married, get married, get married. But Mm -hmm. then when like you're dating, everyone is always like hyping up your relationship and really putting a lot of emphasis on like that, like puppy love kind of stage, you know, Yeah. before like before you really know each other. And then they push you to go get married. And (laughs) I'm not even joking. I have known three different people who got married like, they, they were freshmen with me, got married their freshman year when they were, like, 18 or 19. And then by the time that we were, like, juniors in college, they were divorced because oh they God. just rushed into that marriage. It's so oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. It's like you meet someone, you go on, like, three dates, and everyone around you is asking, well, when are you getting married? And you're like, hold on. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most bizarre experiences at BYU that now that I'm out of it and now that I'm also like, you know, I'm getting married soon, like thinking about the comparison between like it's it's mad to me when I think about how normal it was at BYU to just go on a date with someone, maybe make it to three or four dates and already the conversation of marriage is happening. And it's just yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's normal. Like, it's just at the time I thought like, yeah, of course, if I make it to date number five, then that's like, you know, pretty much sealed the deal. Like he's going to propose yeah. time because the hell, you know, mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost is going to tell him and then I'm going to pray about it. And it's just <laughs> confirmed. Whereas, you know, like now it's like, you know, I've I've been with Greg for three years and it's like we're making the decision to get commit like to, to get married, but it's on our own time. And it's not this like. I don't know. I just couldn't imagine now marrying someone after a few dates like that is mental. Well, and I want to emphasize like what Madison said, too, is that in that culture, not only is your, you know, the pressure to get married really quick, that's real. But then the pressure for the woman to drop out of school, it's not it's never the other way around. It's never like the man Mm -hmm. is going to drop out and take care of the household and take care of the children. It's the woman drops out stays home like which is fine if you want to do that but it's like why is that the expected thing for the woman to do yeah that should be the expectation that should be a just a choice a couple makes together exactly and I feel like we've we've talked about it multiple times we're in no way saying that staying at home and being a mother or you know staying at home and running the house is a negative thing like you every woman should do whatever the fuck they want to do Mm-hmm. It's just with the Mormon church, it's like this expectation that you would never, ever hear of a guy being like, you know what, honey, I want you to pursue your career. I'm going to stay at home, manage the house and the kids, and you go pursue your career. Like, that doesn't happen in the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely rare for it to happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's called... Um, like you referenced earlier in your email, uh, Madison, that's called the MRS degree, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, MRS, which is Mrs., if anyone doesn't know, um, which is like, I'm just here at school to get this degree and get married and go be a mom. And to me, like, again, like, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you truly have a choice in the matter, But the Mormon church just brainwashes and pressures women to follow that, follow that path 
so much um, that it's they don't have a choice anymore when when they're raised in that culture and that environment. Oh, totally. Um, you guys, while we're here, I did find something kind of funny. I searched like MRS degree on Google and it brought me this article from College Magazine, which is the top 10 schools to find a husband. So, of course, I scrolled down. <clears throat> excuse me. I scrolled down and number five is BYU and they have a little blurb they wrote about it and it was really funny. So, well, I don't know if it's supposed to be like satire, but here, let me read it to you. Uh, okay. <laughs> it says, BYU guys have marriage on their minds. Maybe it's the Mormonism or just the fact that they look sharp AF in those white shirts. Either way, we're not complaining. The typical BYU guy is family-oriented, ambitious, and caring, BYU freshman Janae Smith said. In addition to these qualities, most guys typically know how to have wholesome fun, serve others, are intelligent, and pretty dang cute. The great part. <laughs> oh, come on. It gets better. The great part is it's easy to get to know tons of cuties before you settle down and get that adult job. After all, with a guy-to-girl ratio of 55 to 45, BYU isn't in short supply. Even if you're not Mormon, BYU is the place to be for an MRS degree. Oh. <laughs> not, long, not long after you graduate, you'll be in another gown walking down the aisle. They obviously don't know how Mormon marriage works, but whatever. <laughs> but Besides all that, the small rural, rural town of Provo is the perfect backdrop for an amazing proposal. Start out the perfect day by grabbing waffles at Waffle Love, paint ceramics at Color Me Mine, and finally take a romantic hike to Bridevale Falls to see the stars. <laughs> I was dying, you guys. I've been on that exact day. Well, yes, two, right? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's amazing. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so that's all to say that this is a real <laughs> thing and BYU is up there with it's just like, yes, find a oh. guy, get married, and then most likely drop out. I mean, not a lot of women still finish their degree, but a lot of times they they leave they leave school. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've known several that just like left. Um, which is really disappointing because it it's like they don't they don't even get a choice in they maybe want to pursue their career because in the Mormon church, like it's, it's totally fine for the guy, the the man to go and, you know, pursue higher education and like even get like, you know, a doctorate degree and become like a lawyer or a doctor because that's going to provide more money for the household and all the children that he wants to have with his wife. Mm-hmm. But she just gets boxed in to that role of motherhood because like, you know, quote unquote, like according to the church, motherhood is like the most fulfilling divine happiness that you'll ever have in this life. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if I don't want to have kids or what if you can't have kids or what if you just never get married? You know, it doesn't leave Mm -hmm. that space for people who fall into those categories. And sure the apologists have an answer and be like, Oh, if you never get married in this life, like you'll have the choice to get married or the chance to get married in the next life. And it's like, that's a miserable existence, you know, like, oh, don't totally. like, help that because yeah. that's just like, discouraging, you know, it's like, wow, I'm not going to get married till after I'm dead. Like that's awful, you know? 
Yeah, it's really fucked up, I think. Like, the more I think about that, I get very angry when everyone's like, like the Mormon church or Mormon apologists will say, it's fine. It'll all be good when you're dead. Like, think of how fucked up that is to say to somebody. Like, that's not good. It's very dark, honestly, and like Mm -hmm. kind of disturbing. Like, Mm -hmm. when you you think of it through like an ex-Mormon lens. um, But obviously, like, Mormons think that, you know, like, when you're dead, it's going to be a paradise. So I can see why they say that. But it's really, really um, awful because it's like, well, now you have to just live your whole life. Like, if you never get married, you can't ever, like, have sex still. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to keep the law of chastity. So you're going to be celibate your whole life. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't leave any room for people to figure out, like, maybe I'm just, like, asexual or aromantic, you know? Right. 100%. Space for them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it's honestly, very like. Yeah, sorry. I, I was just gonna say it just is like alienating, and I think it's really um, harmful, especially in terms of like maybe if someone is struggling with like suicidal ideation, it's like, well, mm-hmm. it might be better, you know, if I wasn't here, and that's really awful. Ugh. I, yeah, don't even get me started. It's <laughs> I horrible. Can't go on. And I think actually, Madison, that's a really good point about discovering your sexuality as well. Like, I actually have never thought about that, but I had a lot of questions about mine because I never had the experience before, like in the Mormon church, not not to the extreme. Like, obviously, I didn't have sex before marriage because I was like super uptight about all of that as a Mormon and like paranoid and was like, you know, super, you know, obviously brainwashed. And it made me question a lot of things like maybe I won't like it or maybe, you know, am I even interested in men? I don't know. Like, am I interested in um, in, in any type of sexual activity? Like, I don't know. Nothing is really like I, I think it was because a lot of it was I knew I had to save myself for marriage. And so I wouldn't even let myself get close to anything other than like making out and Levi loving. And even that I felt like mm-hmm. horrible about. And so it made me question, like, do I actually enjoy it? Maybe I'm just going to be the type, like, the wife who just has to please the husband because I'm not going to get anything out of it. And, you know, we're also thinking that, like, for me, that was a huge breaking point and and another reason why I left the Mormon church because it never sat well with me knowing that if I never found someone to get married, that I would just have to be single the rest of my life and never experience any type of sexual pleasure or getting to know myself better and to be able to have these experiences and that I was just meant to be okay with it. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I just was like, well, that's the most unfair bullshit ever that I'm punished. Whereas everyone else gets to experience life and enjoy it. And I'm just like over here, try not to, you know, twiddle myself and piddle myself. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the more you learn about like the afterlife, you know, they tell you, oh, well, after, you know, after you die, you'll, you'll get a husband and it'll be fine. But then, you know, you learn more and more about it. And like Sarah has said many times before on the podcast, it's like, you learn, you would, you'll probably be a wife to a polygamist in the afterlife. If that's yeah. what you really like, believe. And then you're just like, well, fuck this shit. I don't want that. <laughs> Literally, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be Moroni's 354th wife. Like, fuck <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, we got, yeah, got engaged, um, like, just before I started my sophomore year of college. Um, Let's see. That was in 2017. And then 
Oh, and then in like January of 2018, um, my world was kind of rocked because um, my parents were getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, growing up Mormon, it's like you have to stay married. Like you can't get a divorce because then like you're compromising like your family being together in heaven for eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt this like immense pressure because like I had also um, gotten my patriarchal blessing when I was 18. I had just like waited for a while because again, with all the sexual shame, I never felt like worthy to go and get that blessing mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm a bad person. God doesn't want to give me a blessing anyways. Um, so after, yeah, after a while of overcoming that, I eventually just got my patriarchal blessing. And for me at the time, it was a extremely spiritual experience because I had finally felt like God cared about me and was actually like helping me and loved me. Mm. And it was, Sorry, I'm like tearing up right now. Um, And it's so infuriating now to look back at it because I'm like, it's it's like a Stockholm syndrome thing. It's like the church made me feel that way. And then they come in as like the the like savior, quote unquote, by giving me this patriarchal blessing and making me feel better about it. It's just like such an abusive, manipulative thing. Oh my God. That is, I had not thought of that before. And now I'm just like, whoa, what a revelation. It really is like Stockholm syndrome. They put you down, they abuse you. They literally were the ones that made you feel that you were unworthy and shameful and sinful. And then they're like, but wait, we'll save you. We'll save you from what we did to you. Yeah. That's wow. Wow. Oh my God. It makes me so mad. Yeah. So at the time it was an extremely spiritual experience for me. Like I was like sobbing like the whole time. Um, But obviously looking back now, I can see just how manipulative and fucked up that whole thing was. Um, But in my patriarchal blessing, it mentioned, I threw it away like when I left the church, but. um, Did you burn it? No, I think I just crumpled it up and put it into the garbage or like in the shredder or something. Um, Fine. Um, yeah, so after getting my, so in my blessing, it said something along the lines of like, if you are like good and faithful and yada, yada, then you will like be an example to keep your eternal family together, like in the celestial kingdom. And I had gotten that blessing like a month or so before my parents announced that they were getting divorced. So I interpreted that message as Madison, the pressure's on. Like, it's up to you to, like, be the Molly Mormon, be the example to your family so that way they can still, like, stay together forever. And, like, the amount of pressure that that put on me and that I kept on putting on myself was just gave me so much anxiety. Like, I literally had, like, panic attacks and like an existential crisis, like every day, because I was like, I'm not good enough to go to the celestial kingdom. Like I, I can't do it. You know, like I'm not reading my scriptures because it's super boring. I (laughs) do not enjoy like going to church because none of the messages seem to like resonate with me. Like it's, it just seems like the same old stuff being recycled over and over again. 
And I was like just miserable going to church and just everything going on during that time. And also my classes were really, really hard. That was the last semester that I did engineering. Um, And then I was also, um, you know, fulfilling my obligations for the Air Force by doing all of the like training and stuff. And the training was really hard. Um, So it was all in all just like a, a struggle. And I'm really grateful that I had really good friends. I'm grateful I had really good friends to help me through that time. Um, We all just kind of like helped each other because it was hard for everybody. Um, But yeah, that was just the, the enormity of like, like imagine like the weight of your entire like afterlife and of your family just like weighing on your shoulders. And it's just like, oh my God, like how do you cope with that? You know? Yeah, that's so much pressure. Yeah, so much pressure. And you you were at such a pivotal point in your adult life. Like you're, you're just, you know, leaving, I mean, not just but you're going on to this next chapter in your life where it's like the first time you're on your own, plus you're like figuring things out yourself. You have your relationship with your partner, like you're learning, you're getting your education. It's like all of these things. And the last thing you need to have is pressure from your church to hold your family together because they put it all on your shoulders. Like no one can go through that. And especially not at that time in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, really a struggle. Um, so let's see, moving forward. Um, let's see, was I endowed by that time? Oh, the good old endowments. Yeah. (laughs) No, I got endowed in February of that year of 2018. Um, and I actually went through the temple with my grandparents and my mom. My grandparents had never been, um, endowed before. Like they, they had a very interesting relationship with the church where like they grew up in Utah. So they grew up around the Mormon church and, and like, they got baptized when they were like eight or 10 or something like that, but never like grew up going to church. And I don't really know why my grandpa decided to start taking the missionary lessons and like being a bit more serious about going to the temple, but they did. And they came through that with me and I didn't really have like a super traumatic temple experience. I definitely thought it was fucking weird. Um, It's so weird. (laughs) So fucking weird. But I just kind of took it and I was like, you know what? Okay, like, it's a little bit weird. But if this is like what what God says is the right thing to do, then like, by all means, like, it's fine. Like, I enjoyed sitting in the celestial room. That was nice. Yeah. Um, And I enjoyed like it because it was kind of just like quiet and uh, like peaceful, you know. Um, And after having like a very traumatic like time it was it was a refuge for me in that moment um plus it was cool to go through with my grandparents um because they're very close to me and they're very dear to my heart um and let's see so yeah that was my endowment and I think I just kind of Honestly, I don't really remember very much of that year because it was a struggle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. by the end of that year, 2018, I got married to my sweetheart, my Aww. husband. 
And we actually did not go through the temple for our marriage. We got married civilly first. Nice. Um, because, yeah, because we, he, all of his family is, like, so involved with, like, just with each other. Like, they're very, like, close-knit. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, they weren't Mormon at all. So I wanted to make sure that they could still be a part of our special day. So I actually asked, um, we got married in Las Vegas. So I actually asked my mom's bishop, um, who used to be my bishop as well, if he could do the ceremony for us. So he actually married us civilly. Um, And we had a super fun wedding. It was really, really nice. Um, And then we actually didn't get like uh, sealed in the temple until I think it was about a year later, just because like with school and everything, I was like, "Eh, I don't have time to like worry about that right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we got sealed in November of 2019. Um, It was just like a normal like Saturday, I think. And we had already made like our little reservations to go get sealed in the temple. And my mom and my grandma got to be witnesses because they had just changed that rule where it doesn't have to be a man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That was kind of oh, a yeah. nice, like, little feminine, like, feminist moment for me, like, having my mom and my grandmother, uh, like, witness our ceiling. That was pretty, it was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, that's <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> I um, remember when that happened, and and I remember, like, people, my Mormon, like, friends who claimed to be you know feminist Mormon friends they were like so excited about it and I was like good for you but then I was kind of thinking about it and I was like they just literally gave women the littlest bit like the bare minimum of like women women can watch weddings now (laughs) yeah it's like oh how funny yeah (laughs) yeah and again I was like you know still like Mormon at that time so I was like oh they get to witness this like that's kind of cool like yeah yeah girl power but looking back it's it's very like breadcrumbs you know it's like oh okay yeah um we got so we got sealed November 2019 um and then everybody knows you know 2020 was a year it happened um and I don't recall so so at this time uh we were we were both um finally living together in Utah Um, My husband decided to also attend school. So he left the Air Force a bit early um, and went to to school with me to pursue his own degree. Um, And we were in a family ward, actually, because the the area that we were living in didn't have have like a, a married student ward nearby. And we actually did that on purpose because I did not want to be a part of that mess. (laughs) <laughs> um just because it's like there's so much pressure it's like next thing is like have babies have babies oh, like, oh, oh yeah oh so obnoxious yeah neither husband or I we don't we don't really want children like maybe later on we might opt but we don't want to have like any biological children yeah um, and that's fine that's, that's I don't want to deal with that. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't want to deal with the pressure in a student married ward of all the AB drama. So we we lived in an area that was the rent was cheap and we liked the area and there was a family ward that was just a couple blocks down the street. Um, but the bishop actually put us in charge of teaching the six year old boys. And there's only like five of them. 
And it was just, I didn't really know what to teach them because I'm like, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to teach kids. Um, (laughs) So we would literally have like, this was like our lesson was like, like two minutes of learning about Jesus, like Jesus loves you. And then the rest of the time we would just like go take them outside and have them run around in circles because they were so hyper. <laughs> that was like the best class. I wish you would have been my teacher as a. I teacher. know, same. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, we have this lesson book, but we don't have to get through it all as long as they come out of it. Like my logic at the time was, as long as they know that Jesus loves them, this is fine. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, you know, if that's how all of the church was all the time, and that's how everyone was, I don't even think I'd have that big of a problem with it. Honestly, I know. <laughs> like, I sure, know. do it. Yeah. <laughs> the bishop never really asked any questions to us about like what we were teaching so it was fine um so that was like the tail end of like 2019 like very beginning of 2020 before like you know March 2020 shut everything down mm-hmm. um so when everything was in shut down um and honestly like my husband and I have never been very good about like praying together or reading our scriptures together at all mm-hmm. um that wasn't just part that just wasn't really part of our routine and me still feeling that existential pressure to like you know to the celestial kingdom and everything um I really tried to push to my husband like we need to read our scriptures like we need to do this stuff but he just wasn't biting it because he wasn't interested and he had started already actually moving away from the church um before I did Um, but he never told me that because obviously he didn't want to like break my little molly mormon heart at the time yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so he's kind of kept it to himself but I could tell that like he was kind of like feeling a bit more distant from the church but I just kind of thought like you know what I'll just be the example I'll read and pray in front of him and then he'll kind of like you know get on the bandwagon that way that never really worked um it also didn't work (laughs) out for me because I hated reading scriptures I never really grew up reading scriptures or praying like regularly so it wasn't a habit for me that I had formed So it never just really worked out, you know, and um, then when everything shut down in 2020 and we did like, you know, church like on on Zoom and all that stuff. Oh my God, can you tell us more about that? Because we haven't had anyone on here. Yes, I will tell you because you guys haven't had that. Um, It's just as boring, (laughs) but with technical difficulties. And honestly, it was... It honestly was awful because, like, they would try to do, like, live stream sacrament meeting, but, like, oh. all you could hear was, like, when, like, the music would start playing and people would start, like, trying to sing was, like, the organ, like, screeching through your computer speakers, and it sounded, like, horrifying. Like, <laughs> oh my it, it sounded like God. a horror movie. It was so yeah. awful. And I was like, you know what? Just turn it off. Like, we will we will do church on our own. Like, we will just read some scriptures and pray a little bit. And our bishopric actually gave us permission, like, if you have a priesthood holder in your home, that you can do sacrament on your own. Mm-hmm. So we just did that for, like, a couple weeks. And then we stopped doing it completely because, I mean, there was, one, there wasn't really any accountability. Like, no one was checking up on us to, like, see if we were doing everything right or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um And then I think, like, just, like, with everything shutting down, um, I just had a bit more time to, like, think about things and, like, what I actually wanted. And 
um, it was actually one of my really close friends who I met in, in college who gave me a copy of No Man Knows My History mm, nice. by Fawn Brody, the great Fawn Brody. And the queen, I, like, yes. <laughs> I devoured that book because I was like, oh, my God, I've never heard of any of this stuff before. I grew up in the era of the church, like, like before the the gospel letters or whatever were like a big thing. Oh, yeah. Um, the gospel topic essays. Yeah. 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 Gospel topics essays. And like the CES letter was already out. And I do remember like stumbling across that like my freshman year of school. But I immediately like like shut my laptop. I was like, no, because <laughs> it, it's no, evil. I can't it's anti-Mormon. It's yeah. Satan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I read Fawn Brody's book and the CES letter, like the whole thing. And I like was like making notes and everything and like for all this stuff. And I was like, how did I not hear about this? And the big moment for me with finally like leaving the church was I was honestly like my, my shelf had broken by that point. So mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I felt like an almost like empty shell because I had lost like such a big part of what had been my identity, which was being Mormon. Yeah. Um, and I remember like my husband was like sitting on the bed, like reading or like looking at his phone or something like that. And I came into the bedroom. And I just like crawled into bed and just like put my hand, like, like my head on his shoulder and just like laid like on his chest. And I was like, I don't think I want to be a member of the church anymore. And he was like, what? And I said like, yeah, like I had like have just finished like digesting like Bon Brody's book and the CES letter. And I even tried to find like, any apologist stuff that made sense and yeah. none of it made any sense so I was like my shelf is broken like like I'm just done like I don't think I want to be a member of the church anymore I don't want to go back like Joseph Smith was like a liar and a charlatan and you know a pedophile yeah um and he was stealing men's wives and mm -hmm. didn't like the church is actively denying it and don't even get me started on, like, the church's finances and yep. all that other stuff. And I'm like, I'm just done. I, I, don't, I don't need it anymore. Like, we've lived without going to church for, you know, I think by this point it was, like, um, like August of 2020. So it took me a while to finally, like, like get through everything and, and make that decision to leave. Mm -hmm. Um. But um, like we've been living for months without going to church regularly, so let's yes. just stop going. Like let's oh. just leave, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then he finally told me he was like, "I've been feeling the same way for so long." Oh my god. And I'm like, "Did you know all this like Joseph Smith stuff?" He's like, "No, but I just wasn't feeling it at church anymore. Like I didn't know how to tell you." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm so glad that like we're on the same page though, because like oh, I was yeah. afraid to tell him." what I was thinking because I was afraid that he was going to like you know being Mormon that it was going to like disrupt our marriage or right. something like that you know right yeah because that and happened yeah 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 and I'm so glad that we had that like heart-to-heart -heart conversation and it was such a big relief to just be on the same page about such an important like topic as yeah. leaving the Mormon church yeah and let's see um and then in 
January of 2021, so this year, we actually submitted our resignation letters Woo-hoo! from the church. And well done. We got them notarized, and the church sent us their little confirmation notice back. So we took all of our temple clothes and our garments, and we hadn't been wearing garments for a long time in 2020 anyways. Yeah. Um, that was a huge step for me because I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm getting rid of these. Like I'm not wearing them anymore. Yeah, yep, same for me. You know, I don't, I don't want to associate with the church, but it was such a big step. Cause I'm like in, in the endowment, they tell you it's supposed to like protect you and stuff like from evil or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just a piece of cloth. Just throw it away. If, if you're on the <laughs> fence out there about leaving the church, just throw the garments away. It's just a piece of cloth. You're not going to go to hell if you throw them no. away, I promise. <laughs> there is you know, no hell, and you're not going yeah. there. And, it's and a, you know, yeah. it's like, it sounds kind of silly to say, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a piece of cloth. But, like, honestly, it's true. There's so much superstition loaded into these things. And I, I never wore garments, obviously, but, like, even just getting rid of other things related to the church almost made me feel, like, frightened of what was going to happen to me if I did. So that's really good. I think that's a good reminder, Madison, like to anyone listening, if you're scared, look, Madison's here. She's fine. Nothing bad has happened. Sarah's yep. fine. And they've both gotten rid of their garments. So everything will be okay. <laughs> yep. And you know yeah, what? Yeah, like, well, you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say something that's interesting in your story that I kind of, I just made the connection with my own story of leaving is that, you, you know, not going to church for a little while it's it's interesting because the the members of the church and like the general authority and the bishops and everyone will say like, you know, it's a slippery slope when you start leaving the church and it's just so easy to come back. And I always wondered why they were really like paranoid about that. Like if you skip one Sunday, then you have phone calls from people and it's like, where were you at? Were you sick? Why didn't you come? And it's like the same when when I started questioning the church before I read the CES letter it was a natural process for me because I just thought like, you know, I actually, my mental health isn't in a good place and I don't want to go to church. I feel pressure. I feel my anxiety is worse. So I'm just going to skip this Sunday. And I was so paranoid about like, you know, I was going to be struck down or like, you know, something bad was going to happen to me because I chose to not go to church and I wasn't sick physically. And it was just like, wow, actually my mental health is much better. I felt better. Like it, my, my mm-hmm. week was better. I got the sleep that I needed, the rest, like, and then I just, the next Sunday was like, yeah, I actually don't feel like going to church. Like I don't want to go. And it was from there when I just stopped going that I realized actually I don't want to go to church anymore. And like, maybe I need to look into reasons as to why this is but my life didn't crumble and I didn't fall apart and I wasn't cursed because I stopped going to church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the church, it, and when you stop going, the, their hold on you is less yep, tight. That's and that's why they want, yeah. they want you to stay quote unquote active. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pandemic was a quote unquote blessing. I mean, it wasn't because like, obviously like the financial impacts of that and all the people who you know have lost loved ones or lost their own lives during that time was yeah. horrible but like for members of the church who were on the fence it was a freeing moment because they were they had a good excuse to not have to go um yeah. and you could always say oh i can't log into the zoom session cuz i'm having like wi-fi issues you know it was a very <laughs> yeah. convenient way 
for people to just kind of like quietly leave the church. Um, and I think it was like very freeing in that aspect because like your mental health improved so much. Like my mental health improved immensely. Like I didn't have that existential pressure on me all the time to be perfect and to get my family into, you know, the celestial kingdom anymore. Like I had seriously been, been living with that for like three years, um, Mm, since my parents like had gotten divorced and it was, it was horrible. Um, I think like the biggest lessons that I have learned, uh, you know, being ex-Mormon now and and looking back on like kind of my journey through the church and out is like, number one, if you are like a sexual, like you are a sexual being, like unless like you have figured out that you're like aromantic or asexual, you are most likely a sexual being and a sexual person. So don't let the church shame you for that because it's perfectly natural for you to want to like experience that in your life. Because I mean, if we're going to go with what the Mormon church says, like God gave you that as a gift yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. in in this life. So enjoy it. Like go masturbate, go like have like fun with your partner or multiple partners. Like as long as it's consensual and you feel good and you feel safe, like you're totally fine. Like you don't need yes. to let anyone shake. I'm, yeah. clapping, um, too. I'm yeah. clapping. We're yeah. over clapping yeah. for you. <laughs> Thank you. And I think like the next lesson is like if you are like in in college, um, especially like in Utah or you have a Mormon family who's putting a lot of pressure on you to like settle down and get married like, listen to your own voice, like, you need to figure out, like, your own life, don't follow the script that the Mormon church likes to put out, because it's not one size fits all, your life is going to change so much, like, you never know, um, if you're, uh, going to love developing a career for yourself, especially if you are a woman in the church, Mm -hmm. um, so, so never throw that out the back door, just because the church tells you that you have to be a mother, And then simultaneously, like, if you're a man and you feel like you want to be at home and let your wife, like, take the reins of being, like, the breadwinner, don't be afraid to break the status quo within the church and and do that. And also just remember that, like, if you're 18 years old and some dude or girl proposes to you after only knowing them for three months, do not say yes. (laughs) Because it's it's just, that's just crazy. First of all, like you are so young and your preferences and you as a person will change so much. You have your whole life ahead of you to figure out what you want. So figure out all of that stuff first before you start making all these other commitments. Cause yeah, it's, it's, you have so much life ahead of you. Oh my God. Wow. So basically welcome to Madison's Ted talk. That I was, was just going to yes. say, yes. <laughs> Madison, you are so wise. Holy shit. I was just so like <laughs> enchanted by what you're saying. That's, I mean, you made such good points. So true. Like uh, incredibly <laughs> wise. And I felt like I was literally watching a Ted talk or listening to a Ted talk right now. And it hit me for a second. Like, Oh wait, we're recording. So I'm actually, yeah. <laughs> Oh wait, I need to say something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, um, that's, well said. 
Yeah. Madison, I think, um, I, I could be wrong, but I think you are our guest that ha- is like the newest out, like the freshest yeah. out of mm-hmm. the church. And it, it was kind of like interesting to me listening to your timeline, how you were talking about going through it and, and thinking about like the podcast there. And I started this podcast in 2018 and it's interesting to like match that up with your timeline. And now, and now you're out and you've been listening mm-hmm. to our podcast and it, it just, it's amazing. It's really cool to think of like how kind of, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that quickly, but like it, quickly in terms of like our podcast, you know, you were like in it. Yeah. And then earlier this year, like you were out and you sent in your resignation letter and it's just like, holy shit. And now you're a guest. Like, I love it. And you're in the outer <laughs> yes, darkness. I, I, I listened to so much, uh, like not Somali Mormon when I was going through my like deconstruction and like getting ready to leave the church. And I listened to a ton of Mormon stories podcast, like yeah. just devouring all of that, like, you know, ex, ex quote unquote, ex Mormon content to, to just help me kind of like soothe myself and heal myself as mm. I was making that transition. So thank you both so, so much for, uh, this platform that you offer to people for them to like, just, just have a place of, of healing and giggling and <laughs> friendship. And it's, it's amazing. You both are amazing. Aww. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you are you're amazing. We're so honored that not only you're our patron, but that you're our listener and also that you wanted to be a guest and be okay. vulnerable and tell your story. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, we are blown away. Like I I mean, just for messaging you, we already knew like, okay, she's about us and this is gonna be a great episode. <laughs> we're so yeah. excited. Um, and obviously, as Katie said, like, we're beyond grateful for your support and for your story. And I it's it's obviously we love every one of the stories that we hear from our listeners. But I think, as Katie mentioned, it's it's really quite eye opening to hear your experience because it's so recent and it happened during the pandemic. It happened mm-hmm. with all these things that Katie and I don't know how it was what was going on in the Mormon church during this mm-hmm. time because we were out and most of our listeners have been out for a while. So hearing your story is it's really refreshing and eye opening to be like, whoa, that's that's still happening because in my mind, that's <laughs> yeah. only going on like years ago and it's not. And I'm sure we have so many listeners who, if they're on the edge or they're considering it, they like your story is going to resonate with them. And we have a lot of listeners I know who are in the similar phases of of life as you are and your husband. And so I think that's also going to be quite powerful. And the line that you said, which I, I, I we have to put it somewhere in the title, but listen to your own voice that mm-hmm. is still ringing through my ears. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's my mantra. Like, I, yeah. I think that's incredible. And just how you worded it and how you said it is not only been helpful for us, but I'm sure our listeners are going to be like Team Madison and subscribe <laughs> to your TED Talks going forward. So, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Listen to your own voice because, as they say in the scriptures, quote, like, by their fruits ye shall know them. And in ah. my experience, the, the church doesn't have very good fruit. So, girl, that <laughs> is wrong. the urge to leave, this this is your chance. Like, this is your time to get out. So, Ugh. listen to your own heart, your own voice. Yes. 
Oh, all right, but listeners. I think we're gonna. Note, yeah, we're good. gonna end there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Madison. Thank you so much to all of you listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye. Bye.